Please pray with me. Lord God, thank you for the blessing of this day. Thank you for the life you have placed in our hearts. Lord God, we pray that as we gather together, Lord, that you would break down our barriers, our walls that we have built against you and against others, that you would speak clearly to us and reveal yourself here, Lord God. We pray that you would shine your light inside of us, Lord, and reveal the darkness and replace it with your hope. And we pray that you would place your words in our mouth, that we might proclaim them faithfully. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Morning! It is so good to see you all today. And I imagine that this afternoon, if you are like millions of other Americans, you will be doing something. What is that? Watching the Super Bowl! That's right! Uh, The thing I like about the Super Bowl and the NFL in general is what a gentle sport it is. Right? You know, it is full of grace and mercy. Teams often, they see a player is hurting or, uh, you know, something is weak. And they really really, um, ease up, don't they? You know, they know somebody had a concussion, so they make sure to stay away from the head on that guy. Or, or they can tell the offensive line is just tired, right? And so they, the defense pulls back and says, let's give these guys a break. We don't want to reveal their weakness on national television, right? Isn't that how it works? No, rather, how does it work? Exploit every weakness you can. Use your strengths like a battering ram to destroy the other team. Isn't that beautiful? I mean, don't you hear the Christian goodness just flowing out of that, that we watch this for entertainment too? Not that I don't find it entertaining, entertaining, but it's working for my sermon right now to talk this way. So um, you, you know the coaches of both these teams have been watching tape on the other teams looking for weaknesses, looking for that one thing that will give them the advantage, that one thing that will cause them to rise above the other team, where they can exploit that weakness and be victorious. That's what they do. Right? They analyze, pick each other apart till they find that weak spot and then jab it over and over again. Right? That is the nature of it. The beautiful thing is, is that that only exists in the NFL. In the rest of the world, we are gracious, kind, patient with each other. Never... Why are you laughing? <laughs> no. That's right, we live in the world, that's right, and it's often a lot more like the NFL than we would care to admit. Perhaps that's how things are, but according to the Apostle Paul, that is not the way they should be. Who is this Paul? Well, he was a rising star in Judaism, a person on the inside track to be a powerful leader. He was a member of a group called the Pharisees. The Pharisees were these folks who were trying with all their might to follow the laws of God. And they also created other laws to protect those laws of God. And they followed those as well. Now, Paul was doing great and satisfied in this life. He was flourishing in it and doing brilliantly. But everything was thrown into chaos when Paul heard about this new sect these followers of this guy named Jesus. Paul just knew that he had to stop them. And so he threw his life into stopping Christians at all costs. Then one day, 
as he was going off to Damascus to go and, and stop the Christians there and persecute them, Jesus appeared before him, and his life was changed forever. Paul became a follower of Jesus Christ, and not only a follower, but a great missionary for the gospel as he traveled large portions of the known world speaking about faith in Jesus Christ. In our passage from his letter to the church that he planted in Corinth, Paul makes no little argument that Christians are called to something greater than fighting over food. Believe it or not. Right? The context of this claim is truly around a debate about food. Because people had differing views about what meat was acceptable to eat. Some had come out of a lifestyle where they had been worshipping idols, and so they were not comfortable eating just any meat from the market, because it might be meat that had been offered to an idol, and they didn't want to have anything to do with it. They felt that being associated with an idol in any way sullied them in their relationship to God. Because what would happen is, say, like the, temp the temple of Aphrodite or whatever, they would get offerings there, and then they would go sell them at the market to like fund the operation of the temple. It's not a bad like scheme, right? So um, they wanted food. These folks wanted food that they could be sure was not offered to an idol. They were looking for like the non-GMO stamp on it or the you know, free range or whatever you want, like that thing that would reassure them that what they were eating had an established pedigree. They were concerned about their purity and keeping themselves focused on God, and they felt that they were falling short when they linked themselves to idols in any way. Does it make sense? Yeah, makes sense, right? Okay. Now, this... Uh, okay, others, though, did not hold the same opinion. They believed that there, was no, there were no other real gods except for God Almighty. And so they didn't care if their meat was offered to Zeus or Aphrodite or the god of green bean casserole, right? It didn't matter to them. They knew that there is only one God, and thus all food is his and comes from him, and it can be eaten and give glory to him. Fair enough. That's a fair position too, right? Both of them had a fine foundation to build on. One was trying to avoid idolatry. That's great. The other was saying, look, we've got the God. There's nothing to worry about. That's a great foundation as well. They both would have been totally happy if they had kept to themselves. But the church had a way of bringing together disparate groups. And when these two came together, sparks started to fly. Their differences became heightened. We don't know how it started. We don't know from Paul exactly what caused the situation. But at some point, some of the people who didn't care what meat they ate brought it to a church barbecue or something like that, right? And then they were serving it out, and then like the other people were like, where is this meat from? And suddenly it's like, boom, big fight, right? This freaked out the clean meat people, and suddenly there was strife in the church. Christian fighting Christian over their strongly held principles. Who was right? What was right? What was the answer? And how could they go forward? Paul addressed these questions by coming at this debate in a completely different way. 
He asserted that right, right, the question of right, is not necessarily the correct thing in this situation to be focused on. Instead, instead, grace is. You see, right wanted everyone to believe the same. Right wanted one person to judge the other and say, I'm better than you because I understand it better than you. Right in the wrong hands could be a tool for destruction. Now, don't get me wrong. Excuse me. Paul definitely believed in right and wrong. And there were some things that Paul did not waver on and thought that it was worth your life to stand on the cause of right. But he didn't think that this food issue rose to that level. He thought this was a place where grace could be extended between brothers and sisters in Christ. What mattered for Paul here was caring for your fellow Christian. So Paul, in order to, in this, in our um, section from Corinthians, delineated their arguments into two groups. There were the, the ones who ate meat indiscriminately, he called the stronger group. The ones who would not eat meat offered to idols were called the weaker group. Paul clearly articulated that he agreed with the stronger ones on the grounds that there are no real gods behind the idols, and food is food. But he said that the strong should be compassionate with the weak, because when the strong overwhelm the weak or cause them to walk astray from God, they are, then the strong ones are not being strong at all, but rather are being bullies or tempters for their weaker brothers and sisters in Christ. Paul said, food is not a big deal. He was willing to give up food so that another person could be saved. For Paul, the highest issue was faith in Jesus Christ. And he was willing to do anything to see that a path to the Savior was clear and free of debris that the church would often put in the path. Now today we don't really debate about food in the same way. And certainly it's not something that the church is being rent asunder about. But there are ways that we tear each other down. Over money and the use of it in our lives. Over what we consider acceptable behavior for members of the church. Over the use of alcohol or acceptable dress or acceptable voting patterns or acceptable football teams to like. Right? We should hear the injunction of Paul to consider the weaker sister and brother and protect their heart. To think about them before we think about ourselves. To consider them when we do what we do and act how we act. To think about how they will receive it, what they will see and hear in what we do and say. In our world, there is a great desire to exploit the weaknesses of others and to use them for our own benefit. Yet in the church... We are called to something much greater. We are called to love Jesus Christ and to love each other. Now remember, the way that Jesus Christ loved was sacrificially. He showed us his love in that he died for us. Let us therefore love each other and love him in this sacrificial way as well considering others as more important than ourselves. 
When we live like this as a church, we show the world who we worship. We show the world that we don't worship success or fame or wealth or whatever it happens to be, image. We show the world that we worship a God who loves us and sacrificed himself for us. And when the world sees that, sees how unique our Savior is, they will be drawn to him and fall in love with him as well because he's irresistible. May we as a church be that church, that church of love and grace and generosity. May we stand when we need to stand on right, but on other things may we be gracious and gentle with one another, considering others as more important than ourselves. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you that you are the God who came down to us weak people, Lord, that you shed your strength and took on weakness so that we could be in relationship with you. Lord, we confess that so often we are people who who relish the opportunity to get a leg up on another person who enjoy being stronger or in a better place or whatever it happens to be. We are people who compare ourselves to others all the time, Lord God. Help us to let go of that. Help us to repent of that behavior, Lord. And instead, may we receive your grace and pass your grace on to others that they might see you as the God of love and peace and reconciliation that your hope might bud in their hearts as well, and that you might make them strong. Lord, we confess to our desire to look out for ourselves. We repent of it and ask that you might forgive us and give us the strength to love each other and to think of others first. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.